For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Josh Tolentino, who covers the Miami Dolphins for The Athletic, about the Dolphins coming to town this weekend to take on your San Francisco 49ers. Now, the Niners coming off of a loss at home at Levi Stadium last week against a subpar Philadelphia Eagles team that I think most people feel like they should have beat. Well, the Dolphins come in with probably less weapons at their disposal, but still an up-and-coming team with a veteran quarterback that's looking to pick up their second win of the season after playing the Seattle Seahawks tough just last week. It's Friday, October 9th. It's a pleasure now to welcome in Josh Tolentino. Covers the Miami Dolphins for The Athletic. You can read him here on The Athletic. And uh, and I want to start talking to you, I guess, with the basis of Brian Flores. Because so many different guys come out of the Bill Belichick coaching tree and don't have success. We've seen Josh McDaniel leave and come back. We're seeing what's going on with Matt Patricia in Detroit. We've seen guys leave and really not have much success. But Brian Flores, for me, now I know the Dolphins weren't very good last year. But from where they were on week one, with Minka Fitzpatrick requesting a trade and wanting out and, and guys not being happy with the situation there to week 17 when they pick six Tom Brady and they take away home field advantage from the Patriots. From my perspective, they were a completely different team from a coaching standpoint. The wins weren't there, but 20 games in now to the Brian Flores era, where are you and what's his calling card as a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, undoubtedly, Alex. I think it's a little skewed, the, the numbers. Obviously, they had that terrible start to last year almost really horrific start in terms of how they were losing all of those games, you know, having that winless start to the season. And then you see kind of glimpses of of Ryan Fitzpatrick, of of him being able to lead the team to five victories to finish out the season. And then they totally revamp really the entire team. They're in a second year of a rebuild. But at the same time, they realize that that Tom Brady is in the vision and that it's as wide open as it's ever been. You know, are they able to compete? That was one of the questions heading into this season. Well, we're four games in. They're at one and three. But I think all four games have kind of had a similar theme that they have all been winnable up until really the fourth quarter, the final moments of the game. The very first game, they played the Patriots and Cam Newton. That was the first time anyone ever saw him in a Patriots uniform. And they really stuck tight with him throughout the whole game. Week two against the Bills, Josh Allen threw for a career high, and it really felt if they had stopped just even one of his big passes that they could have won that game. I think he threw for 40-plus yards more than four or five times. Uh, Anytime that happens, you you really put yourself uh, in not a great situation to win the game, and you know they ended up falling short there. Obviously got their first win. uh, It was one of their best games against Jacksonville in week three. And then this past week against Seattle, who is arguably one of the best teams in the NFL. I think many NFC West fans know all about the Seahawks and what they're capable of and how hot Russell Wilson looks this year. I thought contained him until, you know, really the final drives of the game. And one of the issues this past week, and it's going to be harped on throughout practice this week, is that the Dolphins kicked five field goals against the Seahawks and they only lost by a touchdown. So, to go back and think, man, if they scored one or two of those possessions, turn it from a field goal to a touchdown that, you know, they had a good shot at winning that game. They've fallen short on several ends and, you know, one in three record, but I do think they're a lot more competitive than where they were last season. 
I think that's the right word to use, that they're definitely more competitive. I think that they're in a better place than they were 20 games ago before Brian Flores took over. And when I prepare for these games or I get ready to watch these games each week, I try to get a little taste of what's going on on the other side. So I watched a couple of these media sessions with Brian Flores this week, and it seems like you guys, and I'm I'm putting my finger at you right now, the Miami media, everybody wants to see Tua, right? You're talking about winning games and Ryan Fitzpatrick being the veteran presence on this team and just really being a pro. And this is kind of the situation he's been in for most of his career with the Jets and with the Bucks and with the Bills and now, of course, uh, with the Dolphins. I just wonder at what point do they have to get to where Brian Flores says, because right now he's basically saying Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us a better shot to win than Tua does. But I think at some point you have to concede the season if you stop winning games and say it's less about trying to make the playoffs right now and more about developing this guy because he's the future of this team. Yeah, I wrote about the Fitz and Tua situation multiple times this week, uh, even this morning. And all of the attention has been on Tua ever since he was drafted in this past draft, fifth overall. I mean, he's been the most hyped athlete in town really since, you know, when you talk about the Dolphins since Dan Marino, I mean, they've suffered through a lot of subpar quarterback play. Everyone wants to see Tua. You know, the fan base wants to see Tua. So it's going to be a question throughout. The thing, though, is that throughout the entire, really, summer training camp leading up to the season and even after all the losses this season, Brian Flores has always had confidence in saying Ryan Fitzpatrick is our guy. Well, on Monday morning, we had a typical Zoom with him the day after. You know, very first question, who is the starting quarterback? You know, up to this point, Ryan Fitzpatrick has more interceptions and touchdowns. The Dolphins obviously have more losses than wins. Uh, You know, there are many questions surrounding if Tua will make his debut. On Monday morning, that was really the first time all season he showed some hesitation and actually declined to name a starter. So, you know, obviously all the questions are going to follow on regarding Tua and Fitz. You know, a few days later, or really the next day, the, the team went out and said that Fitz is still the starter. And on Wednesday, he went back to his old ways of backing up the veteran quarterback. But at some point, I really do think we are going to see Tua this season. I thought it was pretty telling that when he did back up Fitz, he also said that Tua simply is not ready. I think that goes a long way in explaining where Tua's development is because, you know, we saw him in training camp, and I think this is similar to a lot of rookies. You know, they didn't have that benefit of OTAs and really learning the playbook. There were a couple times when Fitz missed practice. His mother, you know, unfortunately passed away during training camp and he missed I think two or three practices so we got an extended look at Tua and when Tua was out there you know he had some good moments of of flashing that arm that magic that he showed at Alabama but man he also uh, it really the offense seemed to really be moving when he was on the field so there was that clear kind of rookie curve that I think everyone goes through but at the same time you you know you got to remember you're seeing uh, guys like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow already lighted up for their teams in terms of their ability to move the chains well. So, you know, when you think of those three quarterbacks taken in the top 10, two is the only missing uh, piece in terms of we haven't seen him on the field yet. But I think at some point we will see uh, Tua. It'll be Tua time, just not yet. 
I wonder, from your perspective, will it serve Brian Flores better, you think, to give to an opportunity? I think it, it would probably serve every quarterback better, but at this situation, at this juncture, he said he checks all the boxes. You'd rather decide he's the starter for a game and let him game plan than say Fitz gets his leg rolled up on it, and God forbid an injury like that happens, but maybe Fitz leaves with an injury and then you've got to have Tua step in. You know, you, we talk about injuries. we got to remember also it's been about 11 months, maybe 10 and a half now, since Tua's hip injury at Alabama, it ended his final season there. And, you know, when you go back to that whole situation and Tua, he actually had a documentary done on him by Fox Sports. And uh, it was really well put together. You know, they had B-roll film of him in the getting airlifted to the hospital to, to have hip surgery almost immediately after suffering that injury. It was a pretty gruesome, and that, that's a term that even Brian Flores likes to use or that he uses when he references the injury, that it was a pretty gruesome hit a pretty gruesome injury and that they've got to remember that he's coming off this pretty serious hip injury that not many players would rehab or bounce back from. So I think that's why the Dolphins are continuing to be cautious. But at the same time, like what you bring up, being able to fill in, Josh Rosen was cut from the team right before cut day. You know, they had three quarterbacks during training camp and they cut Josh Rosen. That was kind of the ultimate sign that said, hey, who is not going to be the starter just yet, but we are confident that if there is some type of instance where Fitz goes down. We're going to be able to write and ready to roll and willing really to be able to roll Tua out there. The thing that Flo also said just yesterday was that Tua might not be ready yet to be the starter, but they do have confidence in the fact that if he does have to go out there, you know, mid series to give Fitz a breather, if he, you know, takes a big hit or whatever, that they're willing to do that. But at, in terms of actually starting from, you know, the very beginning kickoff, heading into a week and taking all that preparation that two is just not there yet. I think that's the more comfortable situation, but you're right. He, Flores did say that, that he's like, hey, he's our number two already. You know, we're, we're confident that he can step in and play if necessary. Before we let you go, I, I want to ask you just briefly about Matt Breida, who last time 49er fans saw him, he was in a Niner uniform. He was at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami playing against the Kansas City Chiefs last year. And then he was traded this offseason, and they, they give the keys to Raheem Mostert. But I'm wondering about Matt Breida. Miles Gaskin is, is kind of taking the reins as the starter there. Breida's still an explosive, very quick player, a part of the offense. We saw some of his best runs of the season I felt like last weekend what are your thoughts on him and, and are 49er fans going to see him this weekend out at Levi Stadium you know he's saying all the right things in terms of that he's happy for Miles Gaskin and he's happy with his workload and he just wants the team to win but at that point I mean you got to give him credit I mean he's one of the fastest players in the league and the advanced analytics show that and this past Sunday actually against the Seahawks we saw what we all knew what Matt Breida is capable of there were two instances where he got the ball specifically, one on a short screen pass, and he took it really 30 yards just up, and, and you could see the explosiveness right there as soon as he caught the ball. Uh, he was able to make a few defenders miss right on contact, that he was able to use his speed and quickness, that agility that I think all 49ers fans came to know of Matt Breida during his time there. And then another short pass later in the game, I think it was in the third quarter, he took it up about 12, 13-yard gain. And really, that's the most production he's had all season. I mean, it's been tough for him to get snaps. The Dolphins, last year, they were literally the worst running team in the league in terms of statistics-wise across all rushing statistics. So what do they do? They go and add two veteran guys and Matt Breida and Jordan Howard in the offseason. Well, little did they know that maybe the solution to their running problems, their running woes, was actually already in the room. That second back 
Miles Gaskin. He went to college at University of Washington. You know, Miles Gaskin, he actually had a really impressive training camp as one of the most improved players on the roster, and they've been rewarding him with a majority of the workloads. But I think Matt did show that, hey, he's still got some explosiveness to his game and that, you know, offensive coordinator Chan Daly, I wrote this today, he's got to find a way to incorporate Matt Breida more because at this point it's almost becoming inexcusable that, you know, you have this weapon in the backfield and also, you know, he can line up as a slot back and they simply haven't been using him. So, you know, knowing the opponent, maybe he's got some extra motivation to his step this weekend. And hopefully last week was just a step in the right direction in terms of uh, what to expect from, from Matt Breida. Yeah, I think 49er fans would be happy to see him. I don't know if they want to see him like high step into the end zone on an 80-yard run, but you're right. If you got him, you may as well use him, right? They made that trade for him. So, hey, Josh, I appreciate the time today, man. I know you're coming out to Levi Stadium. Enjoy uh, enjoy your time in the Bay Area. I know it's a, a different world right now, but be safe and have a good time at the game, and uh, we'll keep reading you here in The Athletic, and maybe we'll check in with you when, uh, when Tua makes his debut. When it's Tua time, it'll be Josh time again on the update. Hey, appreciate it, Alex. All right, take care. Great stuff from Josh Tolentino. Make sure you read him. He, he's done some great coverage. He does really good breakdowns of these Dolphins games. And he did a little piece looking forward to the uh, the 49ers and the Dolphins. I was getting a kick out of it. He was so fantastic. He kept calling me Alex. I didn't have the heart to tell him it wasn't my name. That happened to me one time when uh, I was playing high school baseball. Got called up to play varsity baseball. Coach called me Alex for the first week before he knew my name was Adam. But I was just happy to be there. I didn't even care that he was getting my name wrong. So great stuff from Josh Tolentino. Make sure you read him here in The Athletic and get his Dolphins coverage ahead of the 49ers and Dolphins on Sunday. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash the update, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash update to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Thank you to Josh, thank you to Brian, thank you to Alex, and thank you to you, the listener. We appreciate you uh, checking in with us three times each week. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. We'll keep trying to bring you the best stories in Bay Area sports. Next week, we're going to do a little dive into the NHL, the Sharks, a couple of trades last week, also a big-time draft pick. That's all stuff we're going to talk about with our own Kevin Kurz on Monday. So enjoy the weekend, go 49ers, and we'll talk to you guys then.